You're listening to the Fresh Takes on Tech podcast, a show from the International Fresh Produce Association. This is a show for people interested in the intersection between technology and the produce and floral industries. Every week, we explore the problems, solutions, people, and ideas that are shaping the industry. If you are interested in the innovations that create change, this is the place for you. Let's dive in. Hello, this is Vani Estes, your host of Fresh Takes on Tech. This season, we've been digging into various methods of growing produce. We talked to Grimway Farms about organic production. We talked to Bolthouse Farms about regenerative ag and Bowery about indoor production of our fruits and vegetables. Today, we're touching on a very important and crucial part of the food supply chain, the retailer and the consumer. If retail doesn't sell and consumers don't buy the fruits and vegetables produced in a certain way with a certain price point, the rest of the supply chain doesn't work. I'm looking forward to this conversation to get a window into how the largest retailer, Walmart, is thinking about these issues. We're lucky to have three guests from Walmart today. Laura Himes, Senior Merchandising Director, Produce and Floral. Michael Yates, Senior Director of Innovations, Agriculture Strategy and Marco Reyes, Senior Director of Sustainability. It's a great lineup. So let's jump right into the content here. So Marco, let's start with you. As Senior Director of Sustainability, talk to us about Walmart's commitment to ESG. Bonnie, Walmart has uh, long taken a shared value whole system approach to ESG or environmental, social and governance issues. Through our ESG strategies, we aim to not only operate responsibly and mitigate business risks, but also to create value by serving our customers and stakeholders better and better. We aim to help transform uh, society issues like food systems or workforce development systems and so on. And yeah, for example, we work with our suppliers and engage our suppliers to look for ways to reduce emissions. Uh, We engage over uh, 4,500 suppliers in activities uh, around emission reductions. We also work with farmers and ranchers on soil health and agricultural improvements. With that, we have a commitment to source 20 commodities more sustainably by 2025. We also work with NGOs and non-for-profit organizations to try to address circularity and learn more about it and see how we can embed it into our business. And another example I would give you is that Since 2006, Walmart, Sam's Club, and our U.S. distribution centers have donated over 7 billion pounds of food to Feeding America food banks. And so, yeah, we look at systems and we say, how can Walmart play a role? How can we go influence and make a difference in our role as a retailer, a large retailer, as you said? So, Laura, as Senior Merchandising Director of Produce and Floral, how does ESG touch your department and what are the commitments there? Yeah, thanks. Thanks for the question. Yeah, just to build on what Marco said, overall, we take the approach that what's good for the planet and people is also good for communities. And therefore, it's good for our customers and which in which it's good for business as well. And all of this work that we've been doing has really been building on um, Walmart's commitment to becoming a regenerative company. So we've been working on sustainability 
probably for over about 16 years now. But regeneration is really different and focuses on restoring and giving back to the planet and communities. So we have really four main areas of focus. That's climate, nature, waste, and people. And for example, as a company, as a whole company at Walmart, you know, we're targeting zero emissions by 2040, as well as a commitment to um, protect, manage, and restore at least 50 million acres of land and 1 million square miles of ocean by 2030. But in produce specifically, we're focused on a few areas. One of them is pollinator health and protecting that. We want all of our suppliers to have a certified IPM program in place by 2025 and also set aside land for pollinator habitat. Another area we're working on is reducing plastics. So we need everyone to think about where can you reduce the need for plastic so you're just using less plastic overall or at least using recyclable materials and also to label all everything how to recycle. And then lastly, on the people side, we're working to treat workers with dignity and recruit responsibly. So we expect all of our suppliers to endorse the ethical charter by the end of this year. And we'll also be launching a new program where suppliers can tell us about what they're doing around responsible recruitment. So we realize that, I mean, no one's perfect and this is a journey. I mean, we're not going to get all this right right now. There's, you know, particularly we're doing a lot of work right now on, on how to build up our communities and one area in produce that we're really focused on is, is helping to build socially disadvantaged or diverse farmers' capabilities. There's a lot still that we can do to help them build their businesses, and whether it is to sell to wholesale or, or retail. So that's another area that we're focused on. And, you know, talking to suppliers, there's, you know, there's so many things that suppliers are doing right now in regenerative practices, and we want to be able to support those efforts. I've heard so many great examples from farmers around, you know, what they're doing in soil health and crop rotation and carbon neutral practices, pollinator protection, I mean, the list goes on. So we truly support everything that our, our suppliers are, are doing as well. Those are amazing programs from both of you. I had no idea. They're, they really touch so many different parts of the issues and programs to really help support. Laura, how do you engage with producers? Like when you think about having an IPM program or thinking about working with more diversity of growers, uh, how do you engage with the producers in our field? Yeah, I mean that's a good question. I mean, one of the what one of the ways that we came up with our pollinator policy is actually to talk to our suppliers um, and producers up front. So we spoke to a lot of NGOs, academia, but also a lot of our suppliers that are already doing these practices. So. Obviously, we have a close relationship with a lot of our suppliers today, whether it's through our buyers or our global produce sourcing partners. And so they're in the fields all the time. They're seeing what their suppliers are doing. They're engaging with them and they're bringing back these stories. And then we're able to share them with others as well. So that's really part of what we do is just we always want to hear the, our suppliers' stories because they not only they are good for us just to learn from, but then we can also help others in the network learn as well. So you mentioned uh, regenerative, and it's definitely one of the topics that I've talked a lot about this season. And there's a number of producers we've talked to about it and some of the, the projects that they're working on. So Michael is the Senior Director of Innovations in Ag Strategy. What is Walmart's approach to regenerative agriculture and how are customers responding to that? Yeah. So, you know, we think about regenerative farming as really a holistic approach around agriculture that's sort of focusing on this intersection of farming, farming systems and ecological systems. So, I mean, we're talking about restoring, renewing, replenishing, as well as you know, conservation of natural environments. And 
you know, recently we've really seen a reemergence of regenerative ag sort of across the board in greenhouse growers, organic growers, indoor vertical farming. But the concepts, you know, been around for a long time. And in fact, you know, regenerative farming was really the practices that we used to see quite often, you know, before industrialization. And this is a way that, that farmers could really ensure that they could continue to farm the land, you know, effectively season after season. And so really all of these options, you know, help to strengthen the food system, build natural ecosystems. From a product standpoint, it it can tend to be a little bit confusing for the consumer. Not everyone knows what regenerative agriculture means or, you know, at the store can, you know, identify a product that maybe is, is being grown with regenerative practices. And so I think that there's a certain amount of, of work that we need to do just as far as education is concerned and clearly identifying products, you know, on the shelf and at the store so that we can really help consumers, you know, make those buying decisions and, and be informed about the products that they're buying. We've also got really quite a bit of innovation occurring, both in sort of outdoor and and indoor spaces. As a retailer, we need a diversified portfolio of growers. We need, you know, outdoor, indoor, organic, tech focus, not tech focus. We really need a diversified portfolio. And with that, I think we can ensure that we're really getting these meaningful impacts for people and planet. It's quite exciting times right now as innovation is allowing us to sort of reimagine food systems and consider transformational new ecosystems. We've made great progress in our ability to farm while at the same time reducing and even reversing environmental impacts. We owe it to ourselves and the planet to sort of learn about these innovations and how we can use them to achieve our goals. And we see lots of examples today from better mechanical or automated forms of weed control as opposed to the use of pesticides, better genetic diversity in the crops that we're growing, addictive softwares that allow us to sort of advance our understandings of yields and crop management, uh, just to name a few. So it's really exciting that that we have these ability today to to sort of look at the food system in a holistic way and, and really ima- you know reimagine what we're doing and do so in a way that's sustainable and has really clear benefits for the planet. We earlier announced you know an investment in a vertical farming company called Plenty, and we've been you know, we'll be sourcing leafy greens uh, for them for all of our Walmart stores across California, and we approach sort of the indoor sector with a long-term vision and focus for regenerative practices and, you know, to enable a methodology to do no harm in soil and eco, not only just to not do the harm in soil and ecosystems, but really to improve that natural environment. And as one example, you know, we believe that if we can bring forth this balanced portfolio of growers and of farmers across the board, then we can increase that surety of supply, we can empower workers better, and we can see meaningful reductions in waste. And this is really at the forefront of what we want to try to achieve. And it's good for food systems, it's good for producers, it's good for the consumers. So I just want to add an example of how holistic approach we look at in a way we look at this in a very holistic way. The Walmart Foundation works very closely with the business and we aim to transform the system around food production and food waste. And the example I wanted to share is about this um, work we're doing with Cargill, McDonald's, and, and Walmart. 
And the aim is uh, to transform and make more healthy uh, 1 million acres of grassland in the Northern Great Plains by 2025. And so we're focusing on underground carbon storage and improving water quality and also protecting the habitat, habitat and wildlife. So, you know, you see how oftentimes we look at these initiatives as pre-competitive and we go look at what's best for the industry, what's best for the planet, what's best for people. What I love about all, what all of you guys have talked about is just the coalition building that you're doing, that obviously these changes to our food systems can't be done by one company. But I think a company like taking these positions and helping to build these coalitions where you get people working together to have the result that you want across the whole food system, it, it's, you know, one small startup can't do that. <laughs> so I really applaud you for looking at these whole systems and saying, you know, what can we do as a leader in food to, to really start pulling this together so that we can transform the food system, mitigate risk, take better care of the planet and the people on it. So that is pretty amazing. Was there anything else, Marco, on the regenerative from a sustainability perspective that you wanted to add? I mean, just what I just shared. And, and we look at it, we look at our regeneration as it relates to our communities even, you know, but from a sustainability perspective, you know, we're looking at nature and we're also looking at people. So we look at initiatives within the supply chains and treatment of workers, forced labor, hiring practices, recruitment practices, et cetera. We see that as regeneration as well, because it's taking something that exists today and regenerating and making it better, making it, you know, right and working with others to achieve that. Yeah, I think, Laura, we've kind of touched on that from what others have said that you do carry and support products from these different areas, conventional, organic, regenerative, and indoor. So as a buyer, how do you choose which to buy and what are the most important attributes to you? Yeah, so we do. We carry all of this, as Michael was saying, and we have both conventional, we have organic, we have indoor grown, we have all sorts of products. And we carry the products that our customers really care about and that provide us with the surety to supply that we need in order to give the customers what they want, but like consistently year round. So surety to supply is something that's extremely important to us as well. You know, and for some customers, price and quality are going to be the primary drivers. You know, for others, maybe it's more of an elevated assortment and quality might be what's important. We have a lot of customers that come through our doors, so we, we need to provide for um, both all, all types of customers. And, and we believe that each of these growing methods has a place and there is room for all. So all types of growing methods can focus on regenerative practices as well. I think that's an important thing that, you know, many times that, you know, we think of regenerative practices as just being maybe one type of growing practice, but really everyone can focus on it. And so you have kind of a portfolio then you, you think that people are going to want, um, they're going to be price buyers. And so you need to have that option for them. There's other people that are going to look for an organic label. Some people are going to look for local. So you really have people that are looking for those, all those different things. And you try to supply that for them. How do you know that's what consumers want? Do you get the data on how people buy or, you know, how do you know what they're looking for? What's most important is definitely the quality, which in our world in, in produce is includes freshness, right? And price is definitely important as well. But if you don't have the quality, if you don't have the freshness, it really doesn't really matter what price you put it at for most people. So quality is include, really important. Price is very definitely important. And then the transparency of how the product is grown is also an important factor. I would say, you know, right now with the inflation that we're seeing in the business, you know, we're seeing that for 
our customers or a, a big chunk of our customers that price is probably even a more important attribute than it has been even in the past. You know, we serve in Walmart about 150 million customers per week. And a lot of those customers are having to make hard choices right now in terms of, you know, feeding their families or putting gas in their car to get to work. So it's a really tough time for a majority of our customer base right now. So what we're doing is, you know, we're working hard uh, to democratize as much as we can access to high quality, affordable and more sustainable. So when we look at what to purchase, we always have to look at kind of the short term, you know, and have our foot in the door in the present and what's happening in the economy today, but then also one in the future. So for the future, we talked a lot about today. Uh, we really are focused on building a regenerative, diverse surety of supply. And as you know, Michael pointed out earlier, we are making investments today that allow us to continue to serve our customers in the years to come. And we believe those investments will help us in long-term ensuring to supply in providing high-quality produce at a good value. And, you know, and that will be true to our statement in Walmart, which is everyday low cost, so we can provide everyday low price. How do consumers know? Like, how, how do you, especially around regenerative, because it's not, you know, as opposed to organic, where you've got the organic, you know, label and indoor as well. Like, how do you communicate with consumers what they're getting and they make buying choices based on that? That's interesting. I mean, the average customer, I think, in general, really doesn't know very well how products are grown. I mean, I remember myself when I first came into this industry and started working in this industry. And I, you know, I worked down in the banana plantation in, in Panama. I'd never even thought about it, right? You go to the supermarket, you look at bananas, you don't think about where it's grown. And and then you live it and you see it and you're just amazed at, you know, the number of people that it takes to grow a product and then all the processes and all the decisions that are made and all the environmental and social impact and, you know, the historical impact of it, the global supply chain. I mean, there's so much that goes into it. It's just really amazing. And most people don't know that. Um but transparency is really important to the customer. They want to know, first of all, what they're eating is safe, obviously, but also they want to know that it's grown in a way that protects the land and the people. So to your point, I mean, organic product, I think customers are much more familiar with that because, you know, it's been around for a while and has a certification process, which gives a level of like validity and trust to the customer. Indoor concept is relatively new and customers really don't know what that means or what that or benefits it really derives for them. Them. And if you think about regenerative, that's even a newer term. You know, awareness is growing little by little, but people really don't know much about it either. They, you know, they know sustainable farming, but not really how is that different from regenerative. But when you ask them, most people are really interested and they want to know more about it. So there truly is an opportunity to educate them more on the various methods. But, you know, we just need to be really careful about introducing more terms and labels in the marketplace that don't generate confusion. At the end of the day, what the customers really want is a safe and fresh, great tasting product at affordable price that has grown in a way that's good for the planet and good for people. So we just need to be clear about what the differences are. What are some of the best ways you can think of to do that communication? There's definitely marketing around it, but also I think from this kind of more holistic point of view that we've been talking about today, when we talk more regenerative with our um, what that means even in our supply base, I think just using that terminology more consistently across the industry, I think will help as well. You know, just sustainability. I mean, like I said earlier, we've been working on it for over 16 years, and I guarantee when we started on this, most people didn't know what that meant either. So I think just the more we speak about it and we're consistent in the way we speak about it and, you know, and market it that way, I think little by little, I think more people will start understanding what it means. 
So Michael, I have a question for you. When you look at all the things that we're trying to do and really change the food system, what part do you think technology plays? Well, I think it plays a pretty important part, especially today. You know, we're starting to see very powerful ag tech revolution going on where technology and innovation is really allowing us to change the way that we think about the entire food supply chain. I mean, I mean the entire thing, the way that we think about genetics and, and breeding of new diverse crops through various methodologies of growing those crops. Can we bring consumption close to, you know, close to production or production close to consumption? Can we think about how we can ensure the success of the crops in a different way than we have in the past? And can we utilize sensing, machine vision, automation, uh, food coatings, sustainable packaging, better ways to transport? You know, how do we utilize all of this sort of to bring forth, as really we've been saying, you know, better quality, better assurance of food safety, and all that a good value. And I think that that's one area that that we as a company can really help lean in to understand where sort of that intersection of all of the different players along the chain can work together at scale so that we can bring these solutions to the consumer. You know, you don't, we shouldn't have a food system where only those who have the right amount of means can afford, you know, long lasting, fresh, healthy, um, food. It should be something that we can provide to everyone today. And I think that technology and innovation is really helping enable that for everybody. Yeah, those are great points. And I, I think both what you said and what Laura said just about scale, that much romaine being harvested, you know, or a huge retail plant, you know, packing different kinds of lettuces into bags. And so I think that scale is really important and producing food for the planet at that scale in a sustainable way. And then having a company like Walmart that's really looking at that whole system and is able to support and, and help pull through technological changes that are going to make the system work better. We can do it in smaller places in smaller ways as we learn, but having large growers and large retailers focus on sustainability and regeneration is, you know, is what's going to make the change. Definitely. Yeah. Well, we're really leaning in as a company. And I think that, you know, to Marco's earlier point about trust, you know, the consumer can know that, you know, we're investing, you know, we're leaning into looking at systems as a whole looking at technology and innovation and making sure that we're doing everything that we can to bring, you know, top quality products uh, to market for everyone. So last question for Michael and Marco. So Michael, what are the three biggest issues to Walmart about how a product is grown? Yeah, it's a, it's a big question. I, I think that some of these we've kind of touched on, but food safety is number one. We have to have safe food and, you know, to follow that, Quality is really important, and with quality comes a whole host of sensory experience as we consume food that's really important. Not only longevity of product, but you know, great flavors and textures and aromas. So I think that quality is very important to the full uh, mix as we look at it. And then lastly, you know, value. You have to be able to gain access uh, to this food. And so those for me are the are probably the three big ones. And as we look at where we want to be in the future, we're really taking a long-term vision. We're looking at innovation 
you know, across the entire food chain. We're looking at diversifying um, our portfolio to make sure that we're reducing risks in all sectors of agriculture and really trying to make sure that the innovations in, in production methodologies are taken into consideration as we look to scale. And we want to make sure that as we look at all of that together, that we're incorporating sort of mindful growing practices, things that a lot of time are regionally driven and that we look at this to make sure that it'll pay dividends sort of over the long term so that we can really bring forth that surety of supply and, you know, that top quality and feed the planet as we're growing at an exponential rate. Marco, what are your three top? So the, the first one I'll bring up is considering people in the supply chains, you know, what's happening to people in supply chains. And this year, for example, uh, we have a platform called Gigaton, which was launched to capture emissions in our supply chain and to re reduce uh, one gigaton of emissions by 2030. And we've expanded the platform to include other metrics and this year, we expanded it to include people and, and encouraging and working with our suppliers to create respo make responsible recruitment the norm in the industry. So I would say that. I would say place-based initiatives and how do we work together with others, like the example I shared earlier, how do we work together with others, maybe with NGOs, with other retailers, with governments, with food organizations to change and transform a landscape uh, to bring soil health to uh, to bring up the community in those areas. And another one that is close to my heart, Laura mentioned earlier, is the pollinator health. How are we growing produce? How are we doing, growing in a way that protects pollinators? And again, it's with that regeneration in mind, with that future in mind, saying how do we include integrated pest management practices? How do we promote biodiversity? How do we do that in a shared value approach, which means how it's good for the planet, it's for good for people and it's good for business. It doesn't have to be binary or either or. It can be all of those. It should be all of those. And that's what we're striving to achieve. Any other points any of you want to make, Laura? Is there any last point you want to make? I think you mentioned it earlier, Vani. I just wanted to reiterate that we can't do this alone. This is not just Walmart in isolation trying to become, we are be trying to become a regenerative company, but we need everyone to join in. So we depend on our suppliers. We depend on what they're doing and, and our customers as well and all stakeholders. So this truly is a collaborative in order to become the company that we want to become and really live in the world that we want to live in altogether. It's good for, it's good for everyone. Good for planets, good for customers, good for communities. It's good for business. It's good for, it's, it's a win, win, win in my opinion. Excellent. That's a great place to stop. And I want to thank you all. Thank you. The International Fresh Produce Association is bringing new technology to solve industry's big challenges through the new Fresh Field Catalyst Accelerator. The six-month immersive program works with technology companies outside of produce and floral to experience the challenges in our industry and develop innovative solutions for a healthier world. Applications are due April 4th. Find out more at freshproduce.com. You've been listening to Fresh Takes on Tech, a podcast from the International Fresh Produce Association. Keep connected with us by subscribing to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you like what you've heard, please rate the show. That helps us keep delivering the latest on produce technology. Thank you for listening. Until next time.